0: The following message is from LifeSource Christian Church MP3 Audio Lounge. More information about Life Source is available at lifesource.org.au. I really believe God's wanting to say something around that whole theme of His love towards you and uh, the pursuit of you out of that love this morning. Because I love it how God just sort of brings things together in different elements of the service sometimes. I just believe that between... What Jane said, with the uh, communion, and obviously with that song, and what I'm about to speak on, there's a real common thread there this morning, and uh, you know that's just God's hand and touch and grace upon the service, and He's obviously wanting to say something this morning. I just honestly believe that if you're questioning or doubting God's love towards you, His grace and His mercy, you won't be after the message in just a few minutes. Hey, so have your heart open because God's wanting to say something to you this morning. Very good. You guys can take a seat. You're doing well. I'm doing well excited to bring the word Excited to have my Backstreet Boys mic on again. Love my Backstreet Boys microphone, the headset. I thought I was going to have to use the handheld this morning because we're having troubles with the headset. We managed to figure that out thanks to the production team. And so it uh, just allows me to get a little bit more creative, a bit more handsy in my sermon. I like to use my hands, handsy, that's right, and get a bit more creative. So I might be able to put in you know, a bit of interpretive dance in there today into the sermon, maybe a bit of spirit fingers, you know, these ones up there, yeah, a couple of fans out there. The flag wavers, 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 whatever they're called, they're out there in the congregation. Who would like to see a bit of that in the sermon this morning? Yeah, yeah about all three and a half of you, fantastic. <laughs> Obviously, I have no idea of a good thing when it is underneath your nose, but uh, I'm going to have to hold back on that one, I think, J-Mac. They just uh, don't understand the whole interpretive dance ministry there. It's one of my giftings, to be honest, but uh, maybe it's before it's time. Church is not quite there yet, so we'll hold back on that this morning. But are you ready for the word? I believe we've got a great one talking about intimacy with God this morning. And just before we get into that, I just want to... Uh... Just thank you guys for the privilege and honour it is to be able to share the word with you guys. It is always an honour, no matter who I'm sharing it with or where we get to share it, to share such an incredible word. With such people is truly, truly a privilege, and so I honour Pastor John and Ann for giving me that opportunity, and speaking about Pastor John and Ann, they do send their love, they miss you guys, but they're having a great time over in Europe, and uh, the ministry is going great, lives are being touched and changed, and uh, just have an incredible impact over there, and they're about to have a good couple of week holiday and a good rest as well, so they'll be back in a few weeks' time. But then, saying that, let's pray and let's get into the word this morning, hey? God, we just thank you so much for the power of your word, God, and that we just have it so ready available to us, God, and we never want to take that for granted. And Lord, we just pray this morning their hearts would be fertile, God, that they would be receptive, ready to receive all it is that you want to do, all that it is that you want to say, God. Lord, let us have a posture that's sort of leaning off the edge of our seat, God, just pulling heaven down to earth, God, that's just leaning into all that you would have for us this morning, God. And we would take that, and I pray, God, that that word would change, that there would be life change as a result of hearing the word God, but that we wouldn't just be hearers, that would also be doers, God, that we would apply that word because that's where transformation comes from, God. It's in the application, God. But I pray that it starts with revelation first this morning, God, and it cause us to fall more in love with you and the plan and purpose that you have for us, that out of that passion would rise to commit to you, to living for you, to loving you and to loving people and making a difference in people's lives. In Jesus' name, Name. Everyone said? Amen. 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 I don't know about you guys, but I know for me, and I, actually, let me rephrase that. It's probably the case for all of us here this morning. We've probably all been in a, I suppose, a space or a time in our life where we've had a friendship that uh, we felt was at a place where it could go deeper. And it's at a place where we want it to go deeper, go to a deeper level, but the other person doesn't quite reciprocate those same feelings and doesn't have those same desires. I know I've shared a a, a tiny bit of mine and uh, Mandy's journey of how we come together. Uh, She was doing Bible college down, or sorry, she came from Victoria to come up to do Bible college and uh, in the Hawkesbury area. She was staying with uh, my senior pastor at the time for those two or three years because her dad and my senior pastor were best mates, um, childhood mates there. So naturally, when she came here, she stayed with him. And uh, I was best mates with the pastor's son. So I was always around at his place, chilling out with him. And naturally, through that time together, we got connecting and built a really good friendship over about two years. And eventually, got to the point where I just felt it was time to take the relationship that one step further and to take it deeper. So I went about my way and planned out a really special night for her. And uh, did up all my car and got all spruced up. And uh, I took my, uh, not my wife at that stage, I hope not, 17 years old, but my potential girlfriend to be, out for a night on the town. And as a 17, 18-year-old, I wanted to go fine dining. And fine dining for a 17 or broke 17-year-old is McDonald's. It's the Golden Arches. And I wanted to go. Yeah, nothing ritzy, real ritzy, nothing but the best for my girl. So no KFC, no 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 Pizza Hut. We're talking the Golden Arches. But not the Golden Arches in the Hawkesby area. It's a bit ghetto out there. I'm like, I went, took her to the Castle Towers, McDonald's, which is a lot more classier, a lot more classier out there, they give you free sauce, they don't charge you the 20 cents like they do out in the Hawkesbury area, they're real tidies out there and so moved away from the ghetto and we went to the ritzy part of Sydney, Castle Towers and uh, we drove there and then I took it through drive through we didn't even sit in, I took it through drive through that's right, classy, I'm a smooth operator, just comes natural. I did that for my purpose because I had a whole CD of Michael Bolton ready to go. Everybody, yeah, we've got some old Michael Bolton fans there. Where are you at? I'm coming out of the closet, I'm a Michael Bolton fan, the love song guru, I wanted that playing in the background, because I just really wanted to seal the deal tonight, you know, I wanted to make sure, to make sure we were going to go to that next level, so I couldn't do that inside the mac. so I we're in the car, and eventually came to that point, and I, uh, I shared my feelings with her, and uh, told her that I think our relationship is ready to go to the next level, and at that point, I didn't quite get the warm reception that I thought that I would, or the response that I thought that uh, I would get. And at first, I thought that, uh, you know, there'd be tears of joy and euphoria, all that kind of stuff. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's a natural response when, you know, there's such an incredible opportunity, you know, sitting in front of you like this. It's just once in a lifetime, a real, you know, pivotal moment. And so that's what I was expecting. But instead, I got this sort of blank, vague look and a confused look and almost an embarrassed look and uh, again at first didn't know what to sort of make of that, um, don't exactly have a high you know, emotional IQ, so I didn't know how to sort of read that, but I uh, just assumed and put it down to the fact that she was speechless at that moment, and again just trying to comprehend what's actually taken place here in, in this dynamic moment, and so you know, you've got to give people a bit of room to breathe and process that, so that's what I thought was happening, but then I heard the words that no male that's just put his heart on the line for a woman wants to hear and she actually said that she doesn't feel that our relationship should go to the next level and that we should actually just stay friends. That was her response. I know. I was disappointed. I was angry. And so I actually, out of anger, kicked her out of the car and I drove off and I actually left her at the McDonald's at Castle Towers. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I didn't do that. I thought it. And I should have, just to teach her a lesson for what the pain that she put me through, but I didn't. But eventually, we're married now, so go figure. You know, the scales eventually dropped from her eyes. You know, she got the revelation and um, the spiritual oppression left. And she realised the opportunity and the blessing that was before her, and she seized it. And we got together a few months later, and the rest is history. But, uh, you know, we're all, I think, in a position, or have been in a position, where we wanted to take a relationship that step further. We've wanted to add a little bit more intimacy to that friendship, to that relationship. But unfortunately, we aren't able to go there because that other person hasn't reciprocated that same feeling. For you this morning, it might be, uh, maybe you're in that Position. Maybe you, you know, have a friend uh, the opposite sex and you're wanting to pursue a relationship with them, just friends at the moment, but you're wanting to go deeper, but there's a bit of hesitation there from that particular person. You feel that the, the dynamics of the relationship lend itself to going deeper, but they don't. Maybe you're here this morning and you have a child that you've been estranged to for a while for whatever reason, and you as a parent are wanting to go deeper with that child. But again, There's hesitation, there's restraint there, and it could be for a number of different reasons. You want to take it somewhere, but the other person's not ready or willing to go there. Maybe this morning it's the other way around. Maybe uh, you're a child and you're pursuing a relationship with your parents. Maybe you come from a divorced family or something like that, and uh, you weren't close to one or two of your parents, maybe both of them, um, but for some reason, you you know, you are connected right now. There's some sort of friendship and connection there. It's not real deep, but you really feel that now's the time to go deeper. that's where you would like to take it. But again, there's hesitation, you know, and they balk at that. And whether that's just because they don't want that, or they do, but they don't know the different dynamics of how to attain intimacy. It could be a number of different reasons, but we've all been there before. And it's sort of like everyone's polite, everyone's kind, but everyone's just a little bit distant. And it's just not as close or as intimate as you desire it to be. And it's frustrating, isn't it? When you're in that position, it's frustrating because the one thing we can't do is cause or force someone else or manipulate or coerce someone else to fall in love with us or to go deeper in a relationship and commit to that. That's the one thing God can't do. It's the one thing we can't do either. And it's it's tough and it's hard. When you want to go there, you feel it's right, but the other person won't go with you. And as true and as real as this scenario is for us all, it's actually the same scenario that plays out. A number of times right throughout the whole Bible between Christians, God's people, God's children and himself. And I don't know whether you've picked up on this or not, but there's a deep-seated I suppose, desire that God has that underscores and permeates the whole biblical narrative. It's a desire that underpins the whole purpose of humanity's creation, but also the motivation that took Jesus to the cross and to sacrifice his life. And it was an intimate relationship with you. Not that you would just be saved, but that out of that salvation would come a relationship that is based upon intimacy. And right from cover to cover, the Bible presents God, and I love this imagery, I love this picture, but the Bible presents God as one who not only desires intimacy with you individually, each and every one of you guys, but he actively pursues it. Actively pursues it, doesn't just desire it. James 4 8, and I love this, it's one of the most power packed. I think scriptures in the whole Bible is one of my favorites and it's just loaded, absolutely loaded with power. And it's James 4.8. It says this, if you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. Is there any greater invitation or offer that we have than to draw close in intimate relationship with God? God's main purpose for creation was to walk intimately with humanity. You know, when Adam and Eve were created, God just, you know, didn't stand off at the sidelines of heaven with a megaphone to communicate with Adam and Eve. No, 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 he wasn't one of those ladies, you know, in the Woolworths that the chicks, you know, nappies in aisle four, nappies in aisle four, like he's not trying to commute through, you know, communicate with us through some sort of megaphone, microphone system from a distance. No, God came to earth to walk with Adam and Eve personally, hand in hand, arm in arm, talking about all that God has created and all the plans and the purposes that God has for Adam and Eve's future. You know, just talking about anything and everything. But it was just that, that intimacy. You can almost feel it when you read the Bible that took place between them. As their hearts, the two hearts become one. And that's what God wants for each and every single one of us. You know, Luke 19.10 says that Jesus came. And I love this verse. But as a church, you know, at, at large, we tend to only focus on the second half and not so much on the first. But listen to what it says. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost Notice it's not just Jesus came to save, but he also came to seek. And we focus on the save, and so we should, because it's an important message that we have of salvation, that Jesus came, died on the cross, paid the price for our sins so that we could be connected to him, have a relationship with him, and live in eternity with him. Absolutely vitally important. But it's not either or, it's both ends. But we don't tend to focus a lot on the seek. And in the Greek, that word in context of what it's talking about here, is actually talking about seeking out intimate relationship. That's what it actually means. God came, yes, first to save us, give us salvation so that out of that could flow the intimate relationship with him that he created us for. But unfortunately, as we read the Bible, we see that time and time again, humanity stiff arms gods and rejects his invitation to truly know him and be intimate with him. You know, God's people for the most part, they're casual, they're at the best, they're casual towards their relationship with God and they're respectful towards the law but they constantly refuse to go to the level and the depth of relationship that God created them for and that God desired them for. And it's just so sad because so many So many of God's people miss out on what is probably one of the greatest invitations that we have, which is to be in intimate relationship with God. And I know here this morning, there's probably plenty of you guys that actually have a healthy, intimate relationship with God and you regularly experience firsthand the absolute delight, the satisfaction, fulfillment, the amazing love and power that flows from an intimate relationship with God. But at the same time, and I know this is probably the case for you too, if you do have a healthy, intimate relationship with God, your heart breaks when you see so many Christians who have a form of Christianity that's built on either a head knowledge, what they know about God, but the fact is they don't know God. When it's built on either legalism, rules and regulations, when it's built on legalism, or it's built on head knowledge. You know, there's so many Christians out there that know about God, theologically speaking, They know about him, the details about God and possibly what he wants for us, but they don't know him. They know about him, but don't know him. Or they're living for God, but without God. They're doing for him rather than being with him. And it's not necessarily either or, they're both incredibly important. Serving God and doing for God, that is absolutely important. You know, having a head knowledge and, and understanding the different nuances and dynamics of who God is helps us to be able to somewhat be able to connect with Him, but not at the expense of intimacy. It's not either or. That sort of stuff needs to be undergirded and underpinned by an intimate relationship with God. Because without intimacy, your life will never be as vibrant, it will never be as satisfying, it will never be as passionate or as fruitful as it could be because you can't live for God without God. It wasn't the way that we were desired. There will always be an emptiness and a dissatisfaction, a lack of power to be able to overcome, to be able to pull down the promises of heaven into your world because it all stems and flows not from knowing about God, not from even just loving God yourself or serving God. It comes from truly knowing Him, having an intimate connection with Him. Everything that you need to thrive and survive in life comes through the conduit of intimacy. It's like a conduit shoot that connects from us to God. And he uses that intimacy to be able to give us everything that we need to be satisfied, to have a vibrant life, to be able to overcome despite the circumstances that are around us. You know, it's this exact tension of knowing about God versus knowing him personally and doing over being with God that we actually see outplay in the book of Revelations. In chapter... Three. So, if you want to turn your Bibles there, that's where we're going to go right now. We're going to wade into this and have a look at a church there that uh, is primarily struggling with this exact whole issue that we're talking about this morning. So, book of Revelations, fairly easy to find at the back there. Second easiest book to find. You have got Genesis at the front, Revelations last book at the back. Go to maps, turn left. You are there now. I don't. I haven't really spoke much out of Revelations, to be honest. I probably don't have the intellect to be able to converse to you what it's actually saying there. And anyone that's read it would probably go, amen. So don't really have the intellect there. But what I do have, what I do have in my defense is street smarts. Street smarts. I don't know if you know what street smarts is, but that's the, I suppose, the skill and the understanding to be able to handle, this is according to the Urban Dictionary, difficult or dangerous circumstances in urban environments. (laughs) I come from Campbelltown. You need street smarts not just to be able to get by, but to be able to actually survive. So although I won't be able to help you understand the whole nuances and unpack the whole revelations because I don't quite have the intellect, what I do have is street smarts. And if you ever need to outrun the cops, you even need to break into a car or learn to use nunchucks, a bow staff, or a gun, I'm your man. Come and see me, Okay? Now, I don't know if you're going to be able to use that in the context that we live in up here, but if you ever travel to Campbelltown, this could save your life. So come and speak to me. But, Revelations. Bit of a weird book, but a powerful book as well at the same time. What we're diving into here is a church called Laodicea. And uh, the book of Revelation, especially at the beginning part of it, is a whole bunch of letters that God has written directly to a whole bunch of different churches through John, the Apostle John. He's the one that wrote them. But God is speaking directly through him, through these letters, to address certain issues that are going on within each and every different church. And uh, there's an issue in particular that God is wanting to address In the Laodicean church, and it's addressing this issue that we talked about this morning. This issue of the fact that you can be religious, you can believe in God, but you can still, at the same time, keep Him at arm's length and not go to the level or the depth of intimacy that He wants. So we're going to pick it up in verse fifteen. This is what it says: Powerful, powerful verses. I know your deeds that you are neither cold or hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. Basically, what God's saying here is that I am out of sorts with you, talking to the Christians in the church, because you won't go one way or the other. You're, peop- you're good people, in a sense. You're, you're a good church. You're doing all the right things, which if you actually read in context, they were. They were having a, a fairly decent impact in the community that surrounded them. You know, from the exterior, it was looking like they were doing a great job as a church in terms of you know, reaching their community and blessing their community and all that kind of stuff. But in saying that, God's saying, that's all good and well, but at the end of the day, that's not what I originally designed for. That's what I want from your life, but ultimately, that's not what I designed you for, and nor is it what I long for. Moving on, and I love this part here. It says, you say I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need anything. And what God's saying there is that you think because things are going so well for you as a church that things are good between you and me personally. And God's saying, nah, it's not. You've know, you been duped into thinking just because you're being a great church and you're reaching your community and things are looking and appearing great from the outside, that that automatically means that you and me, this is God speaking in that you and me personally, we're good? Uh Uh-uh, we're not at the moment. And it breaks my, you can hear the angst, you can hear the heartache in God as he says this. He's passionate about this because it's the very thing that he created them for. And he once had it with these people, but they'd lost it. And God is left heartbroken because it's like, I love the fact that you're doing, you're doing life together, you're doing church, you're making a difference. But at the end of the day, the, the original thing that I created you for, that I want more than anything else, more than you're doing in your service, is I want you. I want you. That's why I created you. And that's the one thing he wasn't getting, and it broke his heart. You know, I don't know about you, but when I read it, I can sense that disappointment and the heartache of Jesus, more so than the anger. It's disappointment and it's heartache. As he watches his people settle for a second rate counterfeit Christianity, they chose religion, the doing over the being, religion over relationship, the rules, regulations, it all looked pretty from the outside in terms of a church context, but inside was a whole lot of mark. There was a massive disconnect between God and his people, and it broke his heart. And we see Jesus strongly addressing the main root issue. in these uh, these verses, in the Christians' lives that caused them to walk away from their intimacy with God. It may not necessarily have been the only thing, but it's one of the main points that uh, Jesus addresses. And it was indifference and complacency towards God that flowed from having an unhealthy love and obsession for material possessions and stuff. Because if you read, reading again in context, they were very, very blessed. God's hand of grace and blessing was upon them. They had so much stuff. They were very rich in materials and resource and all that kind of stuff. And you know, they got to a place where they were comfortable with where they were at with God. And that bred complacency and a bit of apathy between them and God. And that was the one of the main keys that caused them to drift and for that intimacy to be diluted in their life. And we'll talk about that more a bit more in a second. But from this You know, that's just one area or one, I suppose, hindrance or blockage in this in context of this particular scripture uh, of something that can hinder us, our intimacy with God. And what I want to do now is just quickly mention four others that aren't necessarily in this particular scripture, but just four blockages and hinders uh, that, you know, I've either you know, come up against in my life personally, or I've seen outwork and outplayed in other people's lives that can stop us from having intimacy. So if you're taking notes, they should be up on the screen. I want you to write these down. So these are things, they're not an exhaustive list. It's not the only four, but it's probably um, more of the key four that I see outworked in most people's lives. Lack of awareness and understanding is your first one. First hindrance, hindrance or blockage to having intimacy with God. For this person, your biggest enemy to intimacy is simply a lack of understanding. The only Christianity that you've ever known experienced is religion. It's legalism. It's head knowledge. And because that's all you've ever known, you just keep tracking down that same path. Just dealing with emptiness, dealing with frustration and dissatisfaction, because that's what comes when you lack intimacy in your life. You're doing for God rather than being with him. And you just keep tracking down that same path because at the end of the day, you only know what you only know. If that's all you've ever experienced in your family household that you've grown up, or maybe in the culture, um, that the country that you've grown up in, and, and Christianity has been based more around rules and regulations and law and legalism and religion, you know, and you've never actually had someone to walk you through and show you that there's more to your Christianity than just that emptiness of abiding by rules and regulations. If no one has ever showed you that or spoken that to you, then you're just going to keep tracking down that same track because you only know what you only know. And so it's just naivety a lot of the time for some people as to why they don't have this incredible intimate relationship with God that he paid the ultimate price for. But the great thing is this morning, you now know, especially when it comes to verses like James 4.8. When you draw near to God, he promises to draw near to you. I want to say to you, if that is you, there is so much more to your Christianity. There is greater for you to be had and now you are without excuse. You've been told this morning, so you can get off that, you know, that, that track of legalism, that track of religion that just leaves you so empty and unfulfilled. And you can start getting on the track of pursuing intimacy with God, which will give you and sustain you with everything you need to be able to flourish in life. That's what John 15 is all about. It's about the branch and the vine being connected together. That branch, which is us, we cannot flourish, we cannot produce the very thing that God has ordained us to do, which is to be fruitful in life if we aren't connected to the vine, the vine is Jesus. That's what it represents. Talking, it's a beautiful, beautiful picture of intimacy, being grafted in together. When you're intimately connected, that branch is able to produce the very thing it was always basically designed and created to do, which is to bear fruit. So are you. But if we are disconnected from God, and that that means, you know, broken away, that intimacy is not there. We are not grafted into God, then we will just shrivel up and die, and we won't be able to produce the fruit that we were meant to. That branch draws up all its nutrients and everything that it needs to be able to flourish from being connected to the vine. It's the exact same with us. So, no more naivety. You know, and I you know, encourage you to pursue this intimacy. And I'm going to give you a few practical keys just at the end in a moment on how to do that. Number two, crippling issues. For this person, or crippling internal issues, sorry for this person your desire of intimacy you desire intimacy but struggle to attain it because there is an internal issue or issues blocking or hindering that intimate connection from taking place and i attest to this one because many of you guys probably heard by now, um, just my journey in terms of in particular with my father, come from a very dysfunctional family, didn't have much to do with my dad growing up and he wasn't an affectionate father. I've never actually heard him ever say, I love you as a son, just really struggled for a number of different reasons. And because he struggled, I struggled then to be able to give affection. And that's even played out in my marriage with my wife and just other friends and whatnot. And so that's a journey that I'm on and and working that out still. I've come a long way, still got a long way to go. But because of that, There's this filter, this warped filter that, you know, I developed on how to relate and how to connect to, especially on an intimate level, especially with, I suppose, father figure type role models in my life. And so when it comes to trying to understand a heavenly father up there, the only view or filter that I had to view him through was the dysfunctional one through which, you know, my experience with my earthly father. And so because of that, there's some internal issues. And there's also some unforgiveness and anger and all sorts of things like that that, I suppose, were internal issues that stopped me from being able to connect with God and have the intimacy that he wanted me to have. If it wasn't for, in particular, my youth pastor that walked that journey with me through my teenage years and helped me navigate the pain, the hurt, the heartache, all that kind of stuff, and to be able to overcome and you know, help give me a proper paradigm of who my father was, I probably wouldn't have the healthy relationship that I do now with God right now and experience the intimacy that I've got. But you can see from that, internal issues, I don't know what yours are. Maybe yours are unforgiveness. Maybe it's anger, bitterness, whatever it is. You know, and I want to acknowledge that that pain is very real. I know it's very raw. And it could quite possibly have come from someone else. It's out of your control in a sense. And, you know, I want to acknowledge that this morning. But, you know, there's nothing we can do in terms of controlling what other people do to us. We all know that. But we are responsible for how we respond to that. And we have a responsibility to deal with some of the muck and the junk that can come up from that pain and that hurt like bitterness and unforgiveness and stuff like that. And until we are willing to surrender and deal with that, we're going to cut that intimacy off with God. It's not that he doesn't want it, but he can't be where sin is. And so if there's sin in our life, we've got to get before God and we've got to repent of that. And by repenting, we give that over to God and we allow, we make that room available for God to be able to come in and have, have intimacy with us. So crippling internal issues that need to be surrendered. Number three, indifference and complacency. We probably don't need to do too much on this one because we touched on it a tiny bit uh, just in reading the verses. But basically, at the end of the day, I think complacency and apathy can creep in especially in our lives living in a first world country, we're so surrounded by opulence and so many uh, resources. And we just have so much uh, material possessions here in our first world country. And when you're around that for a long time, you, know, you can start to get a real desire for more of that, more so than we do for the presence of God, because that stuff is very luring. And that could be one reason it takes away from God. But the other reason that it is, is when we're around so much like that, so much stuff that the world has to offer. When we're full on that stuff, we don't tend to desire much of God. When we're full, when our appetite is full because we've gorged on all the stuff that the world has to offer because we love all that stuff, all the material possessions, all the stuff, 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 stuff. When we're full... We don't have any more room to fit anything else in. It's like, you know, when you're sitting at a meal and stuff like that, when you're gorging on that meal and they bring out dessert and there's this beautiful, sweet, you know, decadent looking ice cream or cake or whatever, even that looks repulsive, doesn't it, if you are full on the inside. And the same happens with our Christianity. It's like what this, uh, I think it's in Proverbs where it talks about the honeycomb and whatnot, that even the honeycomb people are repelled by if they're satisfied and full on the inside. And God is that honeycomb. I mean, how appealing is it to have an intimate relationship with God? But even that seems a bit apathetic, doesn't it? When if we're already full on the inside, we're not even going to desire that. And so I think there's a bit of indifference that can come sometimes just from... And it's a challenge that I think probably more so we have than some of the other third world countries and stuff like that. But I just want to make you guys aware of that because I think that's, that can be a massive hindrance in our life. Number four, believing lies of the enemy. For this person you're struggling to develop or to developing an intimate relationship with God because you have bought into a lie that is keeping you from choosing intimacy with God. And I've just got a couple of examples down here, just three, there's a lot more than that, but for time's sake, we'll just start with these three. I'm too busy to spend time with God. You hear that all the time, don't you? I'm too busy to spend time with God, which is again is so easy to fall into the trap of, you know, living out of that mentality and that mindset, especially in our day and age, in our culture, it's so easy to become overcommitted and to become busy just with extracurricular activity, you know, the push for career success, you know, the, the whole idea and dream of owning your own house. You've got to work, work, work more to be able, especially in this area with how much houses cost. And we get caught up with, you know adopting, I suppose, the the values that this world has to offer, and rather than living our lives by the values and the convictions that God has asked us to live by. And I think when we're living dictated by the value system of this world, guess what tends to be the first thing to go? It's time with God, the very thing that, I suppose, causes and develops intimacy in our Life; Hence the need to make sure we are building our lives on the values and convictions of the Bible, not on this world. Because when you get caught up adopting them, you're going to be so busy trying to outwork and achieve all of that, that unfortunately one of the first things is going to go is your quality time with God, which will hinder your intimacy. So in closing this morning, I think you guys get the idea with with the four hindrances there. I want to just quickly close with three what I feel are the three key ingredients that we need to know and understand and outwork in our life to develop intimacy with God. And the first one, actually, before I go to the first one there, Revelations 2, 19 to 20. Why don't we go there? Can we put that up on the screen? These are the following verses after the previous verses that we just read. And we, you know, you see Jesus, um, sorry, or God rather talking to the Laodicean church and talking about one of the main issues that has cause them to walk away from God and to dilute their intimacy with God. And God actually, and a few verses later, we're about to read it now, actually gives the answers to actually reestablishing that intimacy. It says this in Revelations 2, 19 to 20. It says, Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come and eat with that person and they with me. First point, spend quality time. I know it's simple, but so many of us don't outwork it in our life. And it's one of the main key core fundamentals to drawing close to God and having intimacy. Verse 20, it says, I will eat with you and you with me. I don't know if you guys know this at all, but eating a meal together back in Jesus' day and age and culture, it actually denoted an extremely high, high level of intimacy. But these meals were also commonly known to go on for three, four, five, sometimes even more, longer than that. You would eat, you would talk, you would eat and talk, you'd eat and talk, and then you'd wash up, you'd go to leave, and then you'd come back and eat some more, and you'd talk some more. It just went on and on, and it was quite common for four, five, six hours to spend time around the table just talking intimately, being open and honest and transparent with one another. In other words, what Jesus was saying to these guys through that imagery, is that I not only desire intimacy with you, but I'm pursuing it. I want to come into your life. I want to sit down around a table which denotes intimacy and I want to chat. I want to talk with you. I want to be in your presence. I want our two hearts to become one. I don't want to do it from the front, you know, the front yard with the door closed between us. I want to come in. I want to sit with you and I want to be intimate with you. What he's saying is, I'm knocking at the door of your heart. And if you'll let me in, if you're willing to take out the, the time to get rid of the distractions, the busyness, the urgent, and sit down and be with me, we'll have the opportunity to experience an intimacy more beautiful, more sacred, more satisfying, and more empowering than you could ever dream or imagine. But are you willing to take out the time to allow God? He's knocking at the door of your heart. He pursues you. We've heard that this morning. He's desperate to connect with you. The question is, will you allow him in? Will you spend quality time around that table, so to speak, and allow him to speak into your life and you to speak into his, and for that connection, that intimate connection to take place between your spirits and your heart? Number two, transparent. Verse 19 says this, so be earnest. So be earnest. Earnest means showing depth and sincerity of feeling. In other words, be transparent. That's what Jesus is saying right here. Be transparent by being earnest. Again, You can't have the type of depth and intimacy between two people if they're only willing to share from the surface of their life. The more transparent and vulnerable you are with one another, the closer you become and the deeper you can go. Because when we withhold anything from God and we're not transparent with Him, what we're saying is ultimately we don't trust you. I don't trust you with the thing that I'm withholding from you. That's why I'm withholding you. That's ultimately the underlying root issue there. And without trust, can you have any type of intimacy in a relationship? No. It's the core fundamental of any relationship. If you want to go deeper, you've got to have trust. When we, don't, when we aren't transparent and we won't share with God, it hinders that. And I want to tell you today, you can trust Him. You can trust Him. There are so many scriptures in the Bible that I could give you today that just denote and highlight this incredible value of Jesus, but none more so than the cross. I mean, the cross alone speaks for itself. Anyone that's willing to die for another person, I'm pretty sure you can trust them. You can trust God with every aspect of your life. Be transparent with Him. Last one, very quickly, surrender. Surrender is the third key. Can't have intimacy without surrender. Verse 20 says this, Anyone who hears my voice and opens the door. Big key there, opens the door. To open the door and let someone in is to surrender your house over to them. By letting someone, you're surrendering the house to that person by allowing them to come in. And you let them into that sanctuary, that very personal and private part of your life, which which an abode, a house absolutely is. But when you let people in, you're surrendering somewhat of that house to them. And it's no different with God. He wants you to surrender all of yourself to Him, the good, the bad, the ugly. He doesn't want you to hold back anything from your life. He wants an all-access pass to you because God not only wants to be able to bring about victory and breakthrough in the areas challenges that you guys are facing, but He wants to be your comforter. He wants to be your fortress and your stronghold, the one to catch your tears, to embrace you, to hold you tight during the pain. He wants in on the pain, the heartache, the trials, the tribulations. He wants to take the full weight of that burden because that's what intimacy with God looks like. If you don't have intimacy, He's not able to be able to do any of what I just said that just so beautifully depicts what intimacy is and what so many possibly here even this morning are missing out on because you are just living a surface level relationship that is empty without God. You're doing, you're attending church, you might even be reading your Bible, you're doing all the right stuff, you're saying all the right things, but you don't have intimacy. You don't know God. And my heart breaks for people like that because they live so much short. They sell themselves short of the incredible life that Jesus gave up on that cross for us to have he didn't come just to save he came out to seek relationship with us thanks for listening to this message from life source christian church mp3 audio lounge we invite you to visit us online at lifesource.org.au to find out more about our church and to also access other free resources